only that we are in Christ, but we have a fixed position, Lord, in Christ. And Lord, whatever he has, we have. Because we're heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Father, I thank you that you have joined us together with yourself through your son because we're reconciled to you through the cross of your son. Lord, I thank you for the blood that he shed for each one of us. Lord, for the the righteousness that we have, not because of our own selves, but because of Jesus, because of Yeshua, because of the one who came from heaven and died on the cross for us. Lord, I thank you that you went away, but that you sent your Holy Spirit back so that the Holy Spirit could fill us, Lord, with your power, with your anointing, with your enablement. Jesus, you said that your spirit would lead and guide us into all the truth. So, Father, we ask, Lord, that you would give us attentive ears and a good heart to receive your word, Lord. Because we know that, Father, that you don't want us to just see your word, but you want us to dive into your word. You want to give us revelation. Lord, you want us to have insight, not just sight, but insight into your word, Father. Lord, I thank you right now that you're the sower, that the seed is your word, that the good ground is our hearts. So, Father, we ask that you would minister, Lord, your word. Lord, as I teach this class, Lord, teach it through me. Because, Lord, there's nothing that I can say in and of myself that will result in anything. But, Lord, it's only as I say what you tell me to say. That, Lord, that many women are changed, Lord. It's only as you give your anointing to me, Lord. And express yourself through me, Lord. I'm a willing vessel. So, Father, I ask that you would speak to us this night, Lord. Thank you for all that you do for us. Lord, help us every day to be more and more of a living sacrifice. Knowing that, Lord, you gave all for us so we should give our all to you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Sorry. 
First thing I want to do is <clears throat> go over the test with you all, and uh, it's not really a pass or fail test, but we do know that when we hear the word of God that we want to retain it, and the reason why we want to retain it is because we want to apply it. So if we have forgotten it and have not retained it, we have nothing to apply. Amen. All right. Number one. It was... Uh, what, multiple choice? Yeah. All right. What does the name Genesis mean? Beginning. beginning. Everybody in here said beginning, right? Beginning. All right. What was the purpose of the divinely inspired writing of the book of Genesis? And I realized that some of you may not have been in here for that class when I said that because that was earlier on. I think that was even before I was elected. So I'm not sure, but... I don't know who was in here. Um, what was the... Hold on, you didn't get the test, did you? No. That's it. I'm, okay, we're going to have to go over that another time. No, 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 Let's do it, right? No, uh-uh. Huh? Because you got it wouldn't be fair for them to take the test and you haven't taken it. I might pass it and someone come go fast. You might fail it, too. Phone up here. All right. Glad I glad you said something now. That's that sneaky smile. <laughs> he said, I'll get the answers right now. Everybody else. You said the right thing. Everybody else. Not those who haven't taken the test. Oh, so they've taken it already? Yeah. You all took the test? Yeah, that was when you was out. All right. So how many of you, the thought have come across your mind at some point or another about what we call the Old Testament, which I prefer to call the former covenant? How many know that the Old Testament is a covenant? And the word Torah is what the Old Testament is referred to by the Jewish people. Torah means what? It means a scroll. Pentateuch means uh it means uh penta is is five so it means the five scrolls genesis exodus leviticus numbers and deuteronomy but some people would say well why are y'all studying the old testament you know and the see that's the thing with calling something old is that it has the connotation that is done away with but how many know that what we call the old testament has not been done away with now when you talk about the former covenant or what we call the old testament there were uh god was setting a precedence in this book or in these books starting with genesis he was setting a precedence how many know that there are types and shadows in the bible you know what i'm talking about a type and a shadow in other words in the Old Testament or the Old Covenant or the former covenant, when the priest offered up sacrifice unto God, sometimes he would offer up a turtle dove or a pigeon or something like that. But it always had to be something with blood. Why did it always have to be something with blood? 
big, big. Huh? He needs to share, share, share his blood. Right. Why? Right. You know, the foreshadowing of Christ. And that man would be redeemed by blood. And one of the other sacrifices, y'all might want to listen because it might be on your next test. Now, one of the other sacrifices was what? A lamb. And when I say a shadow, what, what is a shadow? If you see the shadow of my, of my hand on the wall, right? Is that my hand right there? Huh? So, so it's casting a resemblance, right? Of something that's real, of something that's tangible, right? So when we talk about a shadow in the Bible, it's talking about that which depicted a reality. You see what I'm saying? So one of the other sacrifices in the Bible was a lamb. Now, do you remember when John was out there baptizing in the river Jordan? Do you remember when Jesus came to John and what John said when he came to him? To all the people. Behold, the lamb of God. Why did he say, behold, the Lamb of God? Because the Jewish people understood that there was a lamb that was sacrificed in the temple. But that lamb that was sacrificed in the temple pointed to Jesus. So John was saying that which was done in the temple, which was a shadow and a type, this is the reality of what was done back there. You see what I'm saying? That, that's the reality. Christ is the reality. So all these things that we that we read of in the Old Testament or in the former covenant is a, a, a type and a shadow of the reality of what was done in Christ. All of the things, all of the sacrifices, all of those things were actually carried out in Christ. But those were just a shadow. So some people would say, well, the Old Testament or the former covenant is done away. What did God say? He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but what? My words shall stand forever. That's how long is forever? Forever. So let me give you a couple of scriptures in that and we'll go along in Matthew chapter 5 verse 17. Matthew 5. I just want you to have some foundational scriptures. So that the devil can't ever, or people can't ever play with you and say, well, you know, you don't need that. You don't need the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. Now, last week I said, why did God put these people in the Bible, Noah, Moses, all these other people, Elijah, and, and, and so on, is because they live the type of life that God expects for us to live. Now, some people would say that history repeats itself. It's not that history repeats itself, it's that mankind repeats himself. And even though these people are dead and gone, Moses is dead, Elijah is dead, Ezekiel is dead, all those people are dead, but yet the type of person that they are, that they were, is still in the church today. The spirit never dies. Man's disposition basically has never changed except in Christ. He said, if any man be in Christ, He's a new creature, and old things have passed away. All things have become new. But beside that, it's, we, we will remain the same. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. This is Jesus speaking. How you know it's Jesus speaking? Because it's written in red. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. 
For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So what was Jesus saying? He said, I didn't come to abolish it, but I came to bring the fulfillment of it. I came to bring the reality of what was spoken before. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Try to cover these kind of quickly. Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse number one. It says, for the law having a shadow. What is the law? The Old Testament, the Old Testament is the law and the prophets. For the law having a shadow of good things to do what? To come and not the what? The, the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. So all of these things that were in the former covenant of the Old Testament were what? Types and shadows of what God was going to bring about. Isn't that right? Colossians 2.17 Colossians 2.17. Let's begin with verse 16. Colossians 2.16. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink. The Jewish people understood this because they, they were talking about the ceremonies that were gathered, uh, carried out. Uh, by the Jewish people or in respect of a holy day or of a new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are what? A shadow of things to come. But the body or the reality of it is where? In Christ. So he would say, don't get caught up in the religious aspects of it all. But all those things point to something else. You see what I'm saying? Amen. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 11 when you get there. Well, let's begin with verse 9. Everybody there? 1 Peter 1, 9. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets. Did you hear that? The prophets. When did the prophets live? In the Old Testament or the former covenant. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of what? Of the grace that should come unto who? Unto who? You. So when they were prophesying in their prophecy, if you have spiritual eyes to be able to see their prophecy in the right way, then you will understand that all their prophesying spoke of Jesus, pointed to Jesus. Verse 11, what did it say? Searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ. I don't like to call the spirit it, but King James uh, translated uh, the spirit of God is it 
It is him, he. He is a person. He is a spirit, but he is a person, the person of the Holy Ghost. And the glory that should follow. Verse 12. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves. Listen now, you, did you hear what he said? Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto who? Unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Go with me also to Romans chapter 15, verse 4. Romans 15, verse 4. Let's matter back up again. Let me go to uh, verse 1. Uh, Romans 15, 1. We then, who is we? We then that are strong are to bear the infirmities of the weak. And not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor. His neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not what? Himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. Now listen at this. For whatsoever things were written... A four time. When is a four time? Before or in the former covenant or the former uh, testament were written for what? Our learning uh, that we through patience, comfort and comfort of the scripture might have what? Hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. So all of these scriptures tell us that everything that was written in the, in the Old Testament was written for what? For our learning, for our admonition, and God is trying to show us something through the patterns, the types, the shadows. What was the ark that we're talking about in Noah day when that he built? What was that symbolic of? Symbolic of Jesus Christ. Symbolic that Jesus, that the only way to escape judgment is what? In the ark. The only way for those people to get out of the water, out of to, to safety, was where? In the ark. So it was symbolic of Jesus Christ. Everything that God did. You remember when, uh, after Adam and Eve sinned, when, when, uh, when God said that, that uh, to the woman, he said that your seed, I will put enmity between your seed and his seed. Said you, your seed shall bruise his heel, but he'll crush his head. Isn't that right? Do you, did you, do you realize that that was the first messianic prophecy? Did you realize that? That that was the first foreshadowing of Jesus Christ? Y'all talk to me. See, this is, this is one of the things that I want to share with you also before we get on with our lesson is that don't just look at one scripture 
and then try to figure out that one scripture isolated by itself and try to figure it out. First of all, we need what? We need the enabling of the Holy Spirit. Then we need the illumination of the Holy Spirit to be able to show us what that scripture is talking about. But let me tell you something. If you would take that scripture and see, that's where the Strong's Concordance come in, where I was mentioning to y'all. You take that scripture, whatever scripture you're dealing with, whatever subject you're dealing with, say it's the ark or whatever, forgiveness or whatever it is, then you'll be able to look down the line and you see every scripture that deals with that same subject. And then you begin to go and you look at that scripture and then you look at every scripture that relates to that scripture and it'll give you more light. It'll give you more understanding on what you're studying. Do you understand what I'm saying? So then, because scripture interprets scripture, the first thing is not a commentary to interpret scriptures. But the first thing to interpret the scripture is to go to the scriptures that relate to that scripture. Remember when we were talking about Noah, right? And, and, and we were saying about the judgment and how Noah built the ark and all that kind of thing. Remember when I went to Matthew and Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the son of man. That was what Noah was going through was pointing to another time also on down the line. You see what I'm saying? I guess y'all see what I'm saying. I don't hear no amens or nothing. <laughs> Pointing on down the line. Y'all, now, I know y'all going to start talking with this class. Y'all. As soon as I say amen, y'all, y'all going to be talking. I know it. So, and then Jesus, and in, in, in Peter, it also says that in the days when Noah was building the ark, what happened? The patience of God was displayed towards those people because he gave them time to get it right. So then we learn a little bit more about Noah's day. You see what I'm saying? Don't just take, don't just look at Genesis and the ark. Look everywhere through the Bible that it deals with Noah. Or whatever you're looking at. Deal with, go through the whole Bible and look at every scripture that deals with that. Because other scriptures will give you more information on that scripture. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Amen. All right, let's go to Genesis chapter 9. All right. Very often, God has to begin again with man because mankind, for the most part, not everybody, but for the most part, keeps repeating the same cycle. Over and over and over again. So God has to begin again. Genesis chapter 9 verse 1 says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful, branch out, multiply. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you. Even as the green herb have I given you all things. But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, Shall ye not eat? And surely your blood, 
of your lives will I require, at the hand of every beast will I require it, and at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of a man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. And you, and you be ye fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. The Bible says in one place it said that how can you say that you love God whom you not seen and not love your brother who you see every day? Why did he say that? One of the reasons why I said that is because man was created in the image of God. And for me to say that I hate somebody is to say what? I hate God. Because God made that person. Now, as we go through the book of Genesis, you'll also begin to see different doctrines that were developed in the word of God or different laws that were uh, developed in the word of God. How many know that we are not under the law of Moses as such to obey the Old Testament law, the Ten Commandments in and of ourselves. But how many know that we are still under the law? The Bible said that the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. God never said that he did away with the law. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law of the promise. I came to do what? To fulfill it. I came to fulfill it in you. He said, for the righteous requirements of the law are fulfilled where? All right, let's go to uh, Romans chapter 8. Because there is still a standard that God expects for man to live by. There is still righteous requirements that God expects for us to live by. And he laid these precedents down in the Old Testament. What is said? Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus... Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For what? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. What did he say? For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled where? Where? That's where, that's, where, that's where it all starts at, where? In us. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity or hatred against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot do what? But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God does what? 
dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth where? Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So nobody can say that, oh, well, I'm free from the law. I don't have to obey all that anymore. Yeah, you do. I'll tell you what we are free from, though. We're free from trying to struggle to keep God's law in and of ourselves. That's what we are free from, but we're not free from the law. The reason why we're free from trying to struggle to keep God's law is why? Because we just read it in, in, in Romans chapter 8, because of the spirit in us. God said, in the last days, I will take and I will put my write my word upon the tablets of your heart and I will put my spirit in you to, to cause you to keep my word. So no longer do we have to try to struggle and strive. And say, oh, I got to do this for God. I got to do that. I can live right and all this kind of thing. But we yield ourselves to him and he will he will cause us to live a righteous life because of the power that he gives us. How many, how many doctrines have you noticed since we've been studying the ark and studying Noah? I'll tell you one that you may have missed just now. Want me to tell you what it is? All right. Verse 5. We just read it in chapter 9. And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast will I require it. And at the hand of man... At the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Now listen at verse 6. Whoso sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. What, what law is that or what, what doctrine is that? I know Sister Arlene ought to know. He worked in the court. <laughs> huh? He said, what, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, right? That's a civil law that if somebody sheds someone's blood, then they have to be held accountable for shedding that blood. Isn't that right? Y'all don't agree? He said, if a man sheds another man's blood, then man shall shed his blood. Huh? It's got to be held accountable for that. God holds us accountable for what? For all of our actions. No matter what it is, he holds us accountable for everything. God is a God of accountability in every area of our lives. God is a God of accountability in our families. Us with our family, we're stewards over everything that God has given us. And, 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 and God expects for us to be accountable, not to our neighbor or to whoever else, to be accountable to him. We should treat each other right, but we have to answer to God. We're going to answer for everything that we do. He said that we're going to give account for every idle thought that we think. 
And this also tells me that God is what? What does this tell you about God? God is watching everything. There's some people that think that they're slipping and sliding and hiding and diving and all this kind of stuff. Remember that song, beeping and peeping, hiding and sliding and all that? Think they're getting away with something, huh? But God knows everything and God is keeping record of everything that we do. Verse 8. And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And I, behold, I establish my covenant with who? With you. And with your seed after you. What God is doing in our lives is not just for us. It's for us. It's for our grandchildren. It's for our great-grandchildren. It's for every one of our seed, everybody connected to us. Everybody. That is connected to us is connected to the God in us and to the blessing that God gives us. Isn't that right? He just said it. He said, I'll bless you and I'll bless your seed after you. Everything that come after you, everything that come out of your body. Remember we was talking about Sunday about Melchizedek? And Levi gave tithe to Melchizedek even, even though Levi wasn't even born yet. But he was inside of Abraham. Leave that long for right now. And I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off anymore by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there be any more be a flood to destroy the earth. Verse 12. And God said, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for how long? Perpetual. Generations. How long is a perpetual generation? How long is perpetual? Forever. I do set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. God desires relationship with man all, all through the word, all everything we've been studying. God has shown that he desires relationship with man. It's a shame to to uh, uh, uh Belittle God and make him a little statue or a picture on the wall. He's more than that. Verse 14. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. How many of y'all ever seen a rainbow? Huh? That's that covenant that God made with Noah and his sons. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall no more become uh, a flood to destroy all flesh and the bow shall be in the cloud and I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, this is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth and the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were who? Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham is the father of what? Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread. Now, we're about to read something that I really want you to think about. And I want you to give me an answer of why Noah did what we're going to see him do towards his son. Verse 20. And Noah 
began to be an husbandman or one that dealt with plants. And he planted a vineyard and he drank of the wine and was drunken. And he was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father and their faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. Now, it said that Noah began to be a husbandman. He was uh, one that dealt with gardens or planted probably great plants and things like that, made wine and all of that, and he got drunk. He was inebriated. He was intoxicated. And it says that his son, Cain, Canaan, I'm sorry, Canaan, uh, saw his nakedness. Ham, I'm sorry, Ham, I'll get it right. Ham saw his nakedness. What, what does that mean, that, it, that Ham saw his father's nakedness? Let me read this to you. How many know what a euphemism is? A euphemism, let me read you this definition. A euphemism, which the Bible is, I'm not going to say full of them, but it does have them, a figure of speech. But a euphemism is a mild or indirect word or expression substituted for one considered to be too strong harsh or blunt when referring to something unpleasant or embarrassing. Did y'all get that? Need me to read it again? Yeah. Yeah. All right. A euphemism is a mild or indirect word or expression substituted for one that is considered to be too strong, harsh, or blunt when referring to something unpleasant or embarrassing. Y'all want me to give you a scripture to go with that? So y'all know what a euphemism is, right? If I say something and that word that I figure is too harsh or too strong, then I would use another word that is milder but will, will convey the same message as that word, but that word is too strong to use. So what does it mean when it says he saw his father's nakedness? Now listen, what did it say that Noah awoke from his wine and he knew what had been done to him? How many of us have been asleep and woke up and knew everything that happened in the room while we were asleep? So there would have to be some evidence of what happened, right? If somebody was in there messing around in your drawer, they would have had to knock everything out of place and maybe even leave the drawer halfway open for you to know. You don't know what's going on when you sleep, right? But it said Noah, when he awoke from his sleep, from his drunkenness, he knew what had happened to him. Leviticus chapter 18. 
verse 7. God was beginning again with Noah. He told him the same words that he told Adam. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Leviticus 18. Let's begin with verse 6. It says, none of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to him. To uncover their nakedness, I am the Lord. The nakedness of thy father or the nakedness of thy mother shalt thou not uncover she is thy mother. Thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. The nakedness of thy father's wife shalt thou not uncover. It is thy father's nakedness. The nakedness of thy sister, the, naked, uh, the daughter of thy father or daughter of thy mother, whether she be born at home or born abroad, even their nakedness thou shalt not uncover. The nakedness of thy son's daughter or uh, of thy daughter's daughter, even their nakedness shalt thou not uncover, for there is thine own nakedness. Anybody know what the scripture talking about? Yeah. What are you talking about? He, he sodomized his father. Y'all ever heard that before? Huh? Even though God was beginning again, this boy went into his daddy's tent and sodomized his father. Huh? That's strong, huh? But see, remember when I said that when we look at the Bible, we're, not look, we're looking at holy people because of the holiness that God gives them, because of the righteousness that God gave to Noah. He said that Noah was a righteous and just man. Why? Because he had faith in God. But yet Noah was not a perfect man. And his sons were not perfect people. So when we're, when we're living in this flesh, we are capable of anything. I don't hear no amens. I was talking to somebody one time and I said, you don't know what you might not do. And they said to me, oh yeah, well I know what I'm not going to do. I know what my line is. I know what to draw the line. I know what I'm not going to do. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because the Bible says that the heart is desperately wicked above all things and who can know it? The only way for us to stay right is to stay in God's presence and to stay close to him and to stay prayed up. But the only thing that brought Noah through, the only thing that brought all these people through is their relationship with God, is faith in God. Peter said when Jesus was sitting with him at the table, what did Peter say? Lord, you know, I'll never deny you. Didn't he say that? He said, not me. Not me. And I really believe that Peter was sincere. I really believe that he believed that it with all of his heart. But how many of us have done things we say, I can't believe I did that. Huh? Can't believe I said that. Can't believe I acted like that. All out of character and everything. But here you have this incident. And then he says, what did he say? Curse. So you know it had to be bad, huh? For your daddy to declare a curse on you. What? It didn't say he cussed. 
It said that he pronounced a curse on him. And what is a curse? It's something that's adverse, something that will that will just dry up everything. All your blessings and everything else gonna get dried up because of one act. Because he didn't know how to control himself. Because the name Ham in Hebrew means hot. Did you hear what I said? Huh? And there are some hams in the church today. But see, the church don't address a lot of things. Why? Because it's too strong. It's too strong. We don't talk about that around here, Rev. <laughs> huh? But we have to address it because it is a reality that there are people that are messing with their kinfolk. Huh? In the church. Messing with kinfolk. No, they're wrong. But they'd rather satisfy that flesh and get a curse on everybody else, all their children, all their grandchildren, everybody else. They'd rather get a curse because they want to satisfy the flesh. Is it worth it? So you mean I have to suffer for what you decided to do because you decided not to do the right thing? Huh? And some people are still suffering today because somebody decided to do something that they shouldn't have done. They knew they shouldn't have done it. Because why? How do they know that they shouldn't have done it? Because God gives all of us, even if we don't have the Bible, he gives up a conscience. And when we go to do certain things, our conscience will say, now you know you're wrong. You know you shouldn't do that. Y'all ever heard that? I've heard it. You know you shouldn't do that. Now, the, the decision still lies with you and I. Ham could have said, no, I'm not going to do that. That's my daddy. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to open that door. But see, some people open the door and walk on in there, no matter what the consequences are, because everything we do has what a consequence. Everything we do. And it not only has a consequence for us, but it has a consequence for our children, for our loved ones, for everybody else. You, can, you don't sin by yourself. None of us sins by sin by ourselves because there are people that are connected to us by blood. And let me tell you something. It's a spiritual thing. Yes, it is. It's a spiritual thing. What, what did when, when uh, Jesus was talking to the blind man? What, what did they say? They said, oh, who sinned? Who sinned? Was it this man or was it his mother or was it his father? Because they understood that there are results for other people's actions. You don't believe me? Let me show you something. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 2. Ezekiel. Ham was one of those people that were, that was dri driven by his nature. A lot of people have lost out like that. Even Samson lost out like that. Because he couldn't get a hold of himself. He was, he was, he was in the right family. huh? He was in the right house. But yet all the teaching, and, and he, even though he was a Nazarite, and even though he was separated unto God, he still had free will. He still had a free choice. And that's what messes a lot of, of, of us up and a lot of other people because we have free choice. But just like we choose the wrong thing, guess what? We can choose the right thing. Ezekiel chapter 18. Let's begin with verse 1. 
the word of the Lord came unto me, saying. Now, who is the word of the Lord? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So who came unto Ezekiel? Jesus, Jesus came unto Ezekiel, saying, what mean ye that ye use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, saith the Lord God, ye shall not have occasion anymore to use this proverb in Israel. He says, behold, all souls are whose? Mine. As the soul of the father, so also the soul of the son is whose? The soul that sent it, it shall die. But if a man be just and do that which is lawful and right and hath not eaten upon the mountains, neither hath lifted up his eyes to idols of the house of Israel, neither hath defiled his neighbor's wife, neither hath come near to a menstruous woman. I want to stop right there. But it said that the, 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 the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. And even though God began again with Noah, can you agree to that? Didn't we see it in the word? God said, be fruitful and multiply. He killed everything else. Killed it all. How many were brought out of that flood? Eight souls. Even though God has started all over again, there was still something down in man that began to manifest. Isn't that right? In Ham. It came out again in Ham. Sin will always manifest through somebody. But yet, there is personal, personal accountability. Personal accountability. Because no matter what my daddy did, I still have the right in Christ to do something other than what he did. I, just because he was an alcoholic doesn't mean I have to be an alcoholic. Just because he was a womanizer doesn't mean that I have to be a womanizer. And when I recognize those things in myself, guess what? I'm going to run to God and say, Lord, this is me. This is not to be honest. I'm not going to do like Adam and Eve and hide behind some tree somewhere or get a, uh, uh, some fig leaves and try to fix myself. I'm going to run to him and say, look, Lord, I see this in my life. I know it's not right. I don't know where it came from. It probably came from my daddy. But nevertheless, if it came from my daddy, my grandfather, whoever. But you see the progression down through the generations that this, this sin nature has always tried to get a hold of man. Even from Adam. After Adam sinned, what happened? Then Cain killed one of his, killed his son. Huh? And then Cain's son killed a, a man and a boy. Isn't that right? You see it manifesting itself over and over and over and over again. But God says to, to Ezekiel, you will have no longer any occasion to quote this proverb. Why? Because he knew that he was going to send Jesus. That was going to shed new blood. That was going to deliver us from our dispositions that we inherited through our family line. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 29. I'm telling you, folks, we might not want to deal with some of this stuff in the church, and I'm not saying it's you, but it's somebody. But there are things that have to be addressed. Just because we leave things alone doesn't mean that it's going to just go away, just disappear. Isn't that right? 
There are some people that die in the state that they're in and, and they never really got any closer to God because that thing held them back from God and they didn't deal with that thing so they couldn't go on any further. I mean, it could be something as small. It doesn't have to be a, 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 a physical thing, a sin, a fleshly sin. It could be something. It could be anger. It could be resentment. It could be a root of bitterness or whatever. Don't you realize that there are people that have been bitter for 50 years? 50 years. Haven't talked to their loved one in 50 years. Because they're still bitter over something that happened way back there. And they can't move on in God because of something that happened way back there. Thirty-one twenty-nine. Yeah, I just wanted to cover that before I give y'all the verse. I'm... Jeremiah thirty-one. Let me get in the right place. For David, for David, tell me, real, real, or real. <laughs> thirty-one. Verse twenty-nine. What does he say? In those days, they shall say no more. The father or fathers have eaten a sour grape and the children's teeth are set on edge. But everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Every man that eateth the sour grape, his teeth shall be set on edge. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make, now listen at this, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. Although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law where? In the inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their what? God and they shall be my people and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying what know the Lord for they shall all do what know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them saith the Lord for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more now what did he say he said he's going to put his law where within us he's going to write it on the tablets of our heart and this lord then he's going to put his spirit where within us and and, and he's going to teach us to obey his law and everything that i inherited from my daddy when he wrote up when the lord writes upon my heart i can break away from all of that because he said no longer will i have to deal with the effects of what my daddy did no longer will I have to deal with the effects of what my grandfather did. No longer will I have to deal with the effects of all those little things that people say, shh, 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 All those things. Y'all know about those things? Y'all ever, ever seen that? Huh? Uh-uh. No, 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 but he said in those days, what days? He said, I will write my covenant upon their hearts. 
What days, did, what days is he talking about? What did, we, what did we talk about at the beginning of the class? That the prophets prophesied to who? Us. So he's talking about us. He's telling us that you can break free from the effects of all those family lines. All that, what they call those things? The, uh, uh, generational curses. Thank you. You can break free from all those generational curses. Some of us don't even realize what we were dealing with and still don't realize what we were dealing with because of somebody else. Children don't cut up till you start preaching the word now. <laughs> so, we, I mean, it just doesn't, we sometimes, we don't know. We say, that's just the way I am. Huh? You ever heard that? That's just the way I am. No, that's not just the way you are. That's the way you have become. But if you were made in his image, in his likeness, he's nothing like that. So we didn't get it from him. So where did we get it from? Huh? Where did we get our dispositions from? Now that Christ has come and he's created a new covenant with us or enacted a new covenant, guess what? All that old stuff can be done away with. He said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And let me tell you something. All those things right there, what we talked about with Noah, we'll talk more next week. God say the same. But yet now we have a savior. And a savior doesn't just mean that he died on the cross and that he shed his blood and all that thing, all that kind of thing. But it means that he saves us from what? Sin. But no, that's not all. What does he save us from? Somebody say it. Please say it. <laughs> huh? Thank you. From ourselves. From ourselves. He came to save us from ourselves. Huh? Because if we if he had left us to do our own will and our own thing, boy, 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 we'd be messed up, huh? Because even when we think we're right, a lot of times we're still wrong. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your anointing. I thank you that you have set us free from ourselves. Lord, I thank you that you have set us free from generational curses. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you have given us the power to say no when the enemy tempts us in areas that we know that we should not be operating in. Lord, when the enemy tempts us to do things, Lord, that we know that are displeasing unto you. Father, you've given us power. Lord, you said you're, you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Because, Lord, even in times when there may be a time